Have you ever been in a faith community that maybe overemphasized truth a little too much? Maybe they told you exactly what you needed to believe, exactly what you needed to wear, exactly who you needed to date and how to date them. Maybe you're recovering from a faith experience like that. Well, I'm glad you found our community because our community really tries to balance these ideas of truth with a really strong emphasis on love and loving God and loving others. And in this new series that we're doing called Truth and Love, we're going to explore an ancient document in the Bible called 1 John. It's towards the end of the New Testament, towards the end of your Bible. And by exploring that, we're going to see the interplay between truth and love that is played out in this letter. And in this first part of this series, one of our pastors, Justin LaRosa, is going to talk about the first chapter of 1 John. And in it, there's this line that says, uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, maybe again, if you grew up in one of those truth-heavy uh, communities, the idea of sin might be a heavy word for you. But listen to what Justin has to say about how the light of Christ can help reveal our sin to us and then how community can help us uh, understand ourselves better, understand our blind spots, and love ourselves better and love our community better by revealing our sin. Check it out. Exposure to light transforms. Back when I was 25, I was living up near the University of South Florida in a one-bedroom apartment with my beagle, Savannah. My bedroom was dark and cave-like. The window blinds did a really good job of making it blacked out, but it didn't keep out all the light. What kept it all out was, get ready, my college dorm room tapestry. I used it to drape over the window to seal out the rest of the light. And also in my bedroom, there was no frame for the box spring and the mattress, so they were low to the floor, pushed up against the window, and it was just like a cave. So there I was living there for about a year, and the blinds had never been raised. And one day I came home at lunch to walk my dog, Savannah. And after greeting me, she ran into the bedroom and got onto the bed, and she was laying down. But what was really strange and weird was she was like this. Her head was focused up on the ceiling. And I couldn't really see what she was looking at it, but then I saw it and it was this, a humongous wolf spider. No joke, that thing was this big. It gets worse. When I tried to capture it, I went and got this big container, tried to put it up over it. It dropped down and shot like a bolt of lightning in a hiding place behind the bed near the window. I'm freaking out. I'm tearing out the sheets, the comforter, moving the mattress and box strings, trying to find this monster. Are you horrified? It gets worse. So I take the tapestry back and I yank the cord and the blinds go up and light fills the room. And to my horror, when the blinds went up, it revealed hundreds of wolf spiders of all sizes, huge ones with babies on their backs, medium-sized ones, quarter and dime-sized ones, everywhere. And I slept one foot away from this colony for who knows how long. The scene was akin to Aragog, and his spider family in the Harry Potter film, Chambers of Secrets. And if you aren't familiar with the film, Google it, you'll get what I'm saying. But here's the thing, exposure to the light transforms. Over the next four Sundays, we're gonna be looking at John's letters, which are 
primarily about love, how to experience it and how to live it. And I encourage you to read them. Don't worry, they're short. Today's passage declares that we, you and me, us, our faith community, can walk in the light. But it also names some obstacles to doing just that. And the primary obstacle that we, everybody struggles with is sin. Sin being those acts or misalignment that fractures our relationship with God, with others, and, and ourselves. Sin blocks us from being who we are created to be and living out the greatest commandment to love God and love others and love our enemies. Now, we know that some are big and obvious and in plain sight on the ceiling, but more often our sin and our brokenness, especially for good church folk, they're more subtle, well disguised, protected and hidden from others. We use, if we're honest, we use light blocking strategies like rationalization, justification, denial, and a little bit of projection. So here's my question for you today. Do you have any spider infestation in your life? Said another way, what's currently hindering your relationship with God, your family, friends, coworkers, your relationship with the church, and maybe even your relationship with yourself? Are there things that you're shielding from the light and keeping nestled in the dark. I want you to take a moment because we're gonna refer back to it in a little bit. So bring it to your mind right now. Do you have it? Here's some good news. God is light and the light can transform your life and you, we can walk together in this light. John points to two specific ways to deal with spiders and tapestries and blinds and the, all the strategies we use to hide and shield our sin. But before we list those two, let's understand what was going on sometime between 85 and 100 when they believe John wrote it. John was an elderly man writing to a group of churches. Now, the temple would have been destroyed decades ago, and Jesus' followers were scattered everywhere, and John is concerned. Many have abandoned the faith. People um, who abandoned the faith were believing people and teachers who deny the incarnation of Jesus. And equally troubling for him was that rival teachers were proclaiming that they were perfect, born of God, and therefore without sin. And because of that, they were permitting engaging in morally lax behavior. And all this was shaking churches. And John wants to snuff this out and remind them about what to do before he's gone. So let's get started. The opening verses echo Genesis 1 and John 1. I want you to hear them again but hear them now like they're being spoken to you in our faith community. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed 
And we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father was revealed to us. And what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, John is reminding the churches of who Jesus is, that God became flesh visible and revealed through Jesus the Christ. And you know what? That fellowship he's talking about is available. John says that he's seen and heard and touched God. And he's telling them that because he wants you, wants us to participate in this fellowship and experience the great reality. Now, what kind of struck me when I was preparing was the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And this means communion or association or to share joint participation. John seems to be saying that belief in Jesus Christ is a way to experience this communion and to walk in the light. And they do that and we do that together in community. There doesn't seem to be any solo kind of koinonia. Now, some, some of you watching this today already believe this. So you've kind of studied and wrestled with the doctrine. Maybe you proclaimed it and been baptized, but others of you just aren't sure. And you question the incarnation and Jesus and some of these words that we use all the time and wonder if God is really interested in you or even in this world. We look around and see all the issues with it. So here's my encouragement to you. It's to pray. If you believe in God, Pray to God and to reveal who Jesus is. And then take a little bit of action to explore. Read and question. Or do, do what I did in the beginning. Fake it till you make it. I mean, one of the passages of scripture I used all the time is, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. So I want to tell you a story. This is funny and troubling. Many years ago, a person requested a meeting with me. They were traversing a divorce and other challenges and had been disconnected from a faith community and maybe spiritual practice for a long time. And I learned that the reason for that divorce was an affair. And after listening, I asked them, how are you reconnecting with God? How are you dealing with sin in your life? And whether or not they actually asked God for forgiveness. And I'll never forget what they said to me. I don't have a sin problem. I don't sin. I thought they were joking. So I said, oh, okay, what if I connected your thought world to that TV screen right over there where we're meeting, there's a TV, and your thoughts were monitored for, let's just say, 24 hours. How do you think you would do? They declared, I'd be fine. I went on to gently point out the tension of that statement with the affair, but it didn't change the perspective that much. Now, obviously that person was blatantly blind and fits squarely into what John declares in verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I hope you can acknowledge your own sin and things you do wrong and have a hard time relating to the person that I just shared about. Yet, if we're really honest, we're really truthful, if we do a little bit of searching, Sometimes we deceive ourselves. Sometimes I deceive myself. Hide, hiding things in the dark, yet acting like we're walking in the light. 
John has an antidote to this. John has something that he thinks will change this hiding, this sin problem. And you know what he calls it? Confession. Pulling up the blinds through confession. And here's what it does. Here's what he says. Verse 9 proclaims, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful, God, Jesus, will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, friends, confession shines God's light. So whatever's there can first be revealed. What's not acknowledged and in the dark can't be transformed. You know, some people don't think that their spiders are significant, so they don't confess. Others um, allow some light to come in, but there's some stuff they don't want the blinds completely up for because they're scared. And I've spoken to some folks who have such shame and such regret that they don't believe that the light can change any of it. They can't forgive themselves. They don't think God will forgive them. And let me tell you, all of that is lies. They're lies. And you know what else they do? They prevent the power of the love and light of God revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus from doing its transformative work of revealing, of cleansing, of healing, of restoration. You know, you hear people say that confession is good for the soul. What the scripture says and what John seems to be saying is that if we're gonna walk in the light, confession is not only good, it's necessary. And there's some different ways you can do it. The Catholic tradition has the uh, sacrament of reconciliation with the confession where people go in and confess their sins. 12-step fellowships use a process to pull up the blinds through steps four and five. You can Google it. John Wesley, our founder, recommended that Methodists meet weekly, approximately like five people, so that they could, f- could f- confess their sins to one another and live out James 5.16, which says... Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. In most communion Sundays, uh, first Sunday of the month here at Hyde Park United Methodist, there is a time for confession of our sins, individually and collectively, that is followed by an absolution, a reminder that God's grace covers any shortcoming and that all are forgiven. But here's the thing I think that some people get hung up with. Confession's purpose isn't to have us endlessly feel bad about ourselves. It's about restoring our relationships, healing and realignment. It grinds our ego, reminding us that we need God and that God's love is infinite and available. In other words, it establishes koinonia and keeps us connected to the true vine that we talked about just last week and each other so that we can walk in the light. So here's a question for you. When was the last time you confessed to God or another human being? My own practice besides working the 12 steps with my sponsors, I see a spiritual director once a month who not only guides me kind of spiritually and listens to my story and my my joys and challenges, but he also kind of serves as a confessor. You have to find your way to regularly confess. Now, I also want to say, hear me, if you have bigger issues to contend with, 
find a pastor or a trusted therapist or really a person you can trust, a confidant, to discuss, confess, and address. Because letting the light in is often the first step and cleaning the spiders out is the next one. The light will reveal and cleanse and sometimes burn. And that, that's true no matter what's lurking behind your blinds. Exposure to the light can and will transform it. And if you don't do it, here's, here's the challenge, here's the problem. Spiders begin to nest and multiply. Worse, maybe, is that you dis disconnect yourself from God and from yourself in the community making it much more difficult to walk in the light. So here's a challenge. In a brief silence, I, I wanna invite you to confess whatever spiders you have hiding and any strategies or ways you're trying to shut God out to it. Ask God for forgiveness. And if you can't think of any during the time, ask God to reveal anything in the darkness to you. Let's pray to God now. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to, to know you're forgiven. I'd like for you to say these phrases with me. I know you're at home. I know you're watching on the TV. You might be with your family. You might be by yourself, but say these with me. We are forgiven. I am forgiven. I am called to forgive. God's light and love revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, cleanses and restores, and we are called to shine. Shine it everywhere. And if you are stirred and prompted to explore more about who Jesus is, the incarnation, or what this being in koinonia looks like in community, please reach out. Questions and doubts are welcome. Because wherever you are in your journey of belief, or unbelief, or wrestling with it all, know that there's a place for you in our faith community. John says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Believe and confess, and as we do, we will walk in light together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for this message and for joining us for this series. If you missed our last series called Jesus Revealed, go to our YouTube page and check it out. We've got all the messages in uh, a playlist. And the reason I want you to check it out is because actually the writer of 1 John and the Gospel of John, they may not be the same person, but a lot of scholars believe that they came from the same community. They have the same outlook on who Jesus was and what Jesus was trying to do. So what we learn about Jesus in the Gospel of John and who he says he is, experience or informs how we understand Jesus as truth and love. So check it out. If you uh, missed it, if you missed any of the episodes, go ahead and check it out on our YouTube page. And if you want to know any next steps or things going on at our church or connect with us more, you can visit the next steps page and check out the reflection questions in the notes below. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.